0: Of clip. I also told him about the of family life. We are in the van driving, soccer league, piano lessons, school orientation night years. I told him about the present condition of my heart as best I could discern it. What did I need to do, I asked him, to be spiritually healthy? There was a long pause and then he said, You must ruthlessly eliminate worry from your life. Another long pause. Okay, I've written that one down, I told him, a little impatiently. That's a good one. Now, what else is there? I have many things to do, and this was a long-distance call. So I was anxious to cram as many units of spiritual wisdom into the least amount of time possible. Another long pause. Pause. There is nothing else, he said. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The title of this message, if you are into that kind of thing, is An Unhurried Life. And for the last couple of weeks, God has really been challenging me personally on this one. Now, I may not come across as the most super energetic guy going at breakneck speed, but he's been challenging me the way that I operate in here my thought life the way I'm always asking what's next the way I'm always a little bit on edge and Dallas Willard happened to be that wise man that said those words to John Altberg that day and he also said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day another wise man said this Today, it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. So I'm going to get you to do something this morning. We do it with our youth every Wednesday night. I'm going to get you to reach into your pocket. Find that little appendage we call a phone and switch it off this morning. It's one of my points later on, but if you feel okay with that, switch it off this morning or at the very least, turn it on to silent. And put it in your pocket and forget it for the next 20 minutes. Because we're living in a time where it's actually diagnosed now and called hurry sickness sickness. Here's a few symptoms. And as I was reading this list, I was very convicted. (laughs) Here are some of the symptoms, and you may relate. Constantly speeding up daily activities. Always trying to cram something else in. Multitasking. Now, some females tell me this is a thing that they can do. (laughs) But I have yet to master it. And I think the point is while we're doing so many things, we're never really doing one thing well. Then there's clutter, which just go to our house, you'll see that. Superficiality, you know, just a shallowness, of how we're talking, how we're living life. And probably the most sobering one of all, an inability to love, to love well. You now, even this year, I've had moments in my journey where I've gone, I'm giving my family I'm giving my wife, I'm giving my kids whatever's left from the day and oftentimes it's not very good. It's not the best. And if you can't relate to any of that, perhaps you've heard yourself saying these words, there's just not enough hours in the day. Why can't there be 25 hours? Or, I'm just too busy to, and you can fill in the blank, too busy to pray, too busy to read my word, too busy to catch up with that friend that I, I really love, but just don't have any time for anymore. And for me, if I'm really honest this morning, it shows up in these two things. Impatience and irritability. Impatience and irritability. And I see my wife down the back and she's nodding. <laughs> you old grump. <laughs> she has to tell me from time to time. This next slide it I think he was from Little Rascals from what I recall we can laugh and we can say oh grumpiness isn't so bad, it's kind of a lesser sin isn't it but then we turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and we read this love is patient picks out that, and kind love is not jealous or boastful or rude or proud it does not demand its own way it is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. And the second way that it shows up in my life is a hurried mind. It may not be a hurried pace. I may not be walking back and forth like I'm playing a tennis match this morning. But it's in the, the mind. It's in my thought life. And I start to feel like this guy. Overwhelmed. 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 So, how has hurry become the norm, not curry, hurry. (laughs) How has hurry become the norm? A few things, and I think it comes back to, to a large part, what we've invented, how we have progressed, technology has played a big part in this. The first invention that didn't help was the invention of the clock. Now, of course, we couldn't imagine life without the clock anymore, but funny story, the clock was invented by a monk. About the sixth or seventh century, and they invented it so they could have fixed hours of prayer in the day, and so that's not such a bad thing. But then in the thirteenth or fourteenth century we had the invention of the first public clock. And all of a sudden time went from something that was a rhythm, a seasonal day and night God ordained thing, to something that we strapped on our wrist and pressured us to go faster and harder and cram more in. And then we had the invention of the light bulb. Edison, in the 19th century I believe, came up with this. And again, a brilliant invention. Wouldn't want to live without it. But what this did was, people from sleeping roughly, what they would say, 10 to 11 hours a day, to, if you're lucky, 8. But probably more like 6 or 7. Hey Thomas. 4. No, this guy's got a super capacity, so he's, he's okay. But, you know, suddenly we lost the circadian rhythm. And the last thing, and perhaps the most ironic labelled thing of them all, is time-saving technology. Isn't that funny? Like, how many of you, hands up, be honest, how many of you think you have an abundance of extra time these days? Like, I'm not putting my hand up, but if you feel you're in that boat, feel free. And we'll have an altar call for um, lying later on. No. LAUGHTER All of these time-saving gadgets have not (coughs) produced this storehouse of free time, have they? They've just meant we've squeezed more and more in. And so what we've done is we've, we've lost the day and the night. We've lost the seasonal rhythms. But perhaps more detrimentally than that, it's really hard now, just like a tree putting roots down deep in the soil, it's really hard to live a deep life. Put deep roots into Christ because we're constantly distracted, we're constantly busy. It's also really hard to just sit with a good friend and just be present. Twenty minutes, thirty minutes. So you might be thinking, Well, have I turned up to a TED talk this morning, or have I turned up to a sermon? And that's my next question. What is the cure? And it is Jesus. It is Jesus every time. Every sermon we would ever give, the cure would be Jesus. Because in Matthew 11, Jesus said these words. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And in the message version, I think you can't top it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I underlined that phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace. Because I think in the hurry mode that we just find ourselves in, we need to come back to those rhythms that Jesus taught us and showed us. John Mark Comer says this if you want to experience the life of Jesus you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus we focus so much on the red letters that sometimes we ignore what he did and I want to throw out maybe someone else can take this invention forward but perhaps we should have blue letter Bibles where all the things that Jesus did are in blue Jesus was never in a hurry. Now, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Can you picture Jesus ever stressed out, hurry mode? Hey, this is great speaking this morning, guys, but I've got a a six o'clock that I need to get to, so I need to hurry home and prepare. Can you see him ever in that hurry mode? He was never in a hurry. Now I just want to read, I want to take the time this morning in light of this theme and, and just read one of the stories that I think really highlights this. And if you want to turn, if you have a Bible this morning, if it's on your phone, sorry, you've already turned that off. <laughs> but if you have a physical Bible, and feel free to put your phone back on for this. In Mark 5, verse 21 to 36, it reads this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just just believe. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and just for a minute, just talk about the first thing or the, the thing that most grabs you in that story that we've just read. Just for a moment. heard this story many times, yeah? I know I have. It's been in many sermons. I've heard it spoken. I've read it many times. But this is not rhetorical. Just shout out. What What are some of the things that grab you about this story? Don't be afraid. Yep. Faith. 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 Awesome. Faith. Jesus had the time. Yep. Stress free. Yep. unconditional love. Yep. Busy, never in a hurry. Always address the need in front of him. You know, I read this story, if I'm honest, I read this story as though it's two stories. It's the story of what Jesus should have been doing, and then the story of Jesus getting interrupted along the way. And yet Jesus was not satisfied with moving along that path going, well, a transaction's happened. I know someone's been healed because he could feel the power coming out of his body. No, he needed to have a moment where he would know this woman. And what really struck me as I read it again this morning was what he calls her. Daughter. Daughter. You know, Jesus was never going at such a pace that he lost sight of the son or the daughter that was in front of him. And this woman, historically, would have been an outcast. She would have been the skull of the earth. But Jesus stops and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. He didn't just want a healing to take place without her knowing that he loved her and that he was calling her into so much more than a than a sickness-free life. He was calling her into the kingdom that day. So, great story, Jesus, but how do we actually follow you, this unhurried Lord and Savior? How do we walk with you, like this picture, alongside of you, learning these rhythms of grace that you show us? I just want to throw out some thoughts. You're not going to connect to each one of these, but hopefully you just take one. So, the first thing how do we cultivate this unhurried life? is that we need to slow down. We need to slow down. You know, how many of you can relate to you're at a, at a supermarket and you've got your groceries, you're coming up to the checkout place and you're eyeing up, which line is the shortest? And you're calculating it, yeah? Amen, brother. And you're calculating it, not just based on the number of people in that line, but how many groceries they have. Yes. Yeah? That's the yeah. Yeah. So slowing would be, this week, choose the long line. Choose the one with Stacked full of groceries in the, not just in the in the little carry tray in the in the sh- trolley, you know. Move a little slower, like like this sign. I'd love to see a few more of these up on the roadside. <laughs> um, it would certainly help me a a bit, bit of road rage from time to time. Blowing, and this can be small stuff. It could be setting a timer. For two minutes, as you brush your teeth, because the chances are you're not spending two minutes brushing your teeth. Slowing down. The second one, and perhaps going into a more spiritual territory here, but solitude. We are addicted to the crowd, and if there's one thing that Jesus has taught us, it's that He was in no hurry to be in a crowd. In fact. He saw through crowds. And the only thing he really saw when he saw the crowd was compassion. For they were like sheep without a sheep. So we need to escape the crowd. And it could be a long period of time where we book in a day on our own. No technology, just escaping the buzz and the noise and the hurry of life. Or it could just be an hour, an hour where you get up a little bit earlier and you spend some time alone. Because it's the crowd and it's the expectations and the noise of the crowd that hurry us along this journey. In Luke 5, 15 to 16, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people come to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think in doing this, he was able to live out Romans 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It goes on to say, But it's the first part. How do we not be conformed? It's as we withdraw from the crowd that we start to see the madness of the everyday pace of life. We start to get some perspective. And in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. It's very hard to do this when we're constantly around noise and busyness and just the hectic pace of life. Another thought, and I've brought this in a a previous sermon, but I just had to come back to it, and it's this thought of Sabbath, of rest, of spending ideally a day, but at the very least a good chunk of time, not wishing you had something more, not wishing for the life that you don't have, but just resting and delighting in the life that you do have. Or if you want some more simplified version, just stop working. Just stop working. We talk a lot about work-life balance these days, but we're kind of like this dog, plugged in. Next slide there. And we're often very far from work-life balance because we're not honouring the God-given rhythms of work and rest. And even ourselves, you know, Amelia and I, we started this year really doing this intentionally, but over the year we have found it's starting to creep away. And the busyness has taken hold and the pace has set in. And so some of you will need to be really ruthless. And that ties into the next question. You'll need to be ruthless with saying no. Saying no to good stuff. You know, In any given week, there's so many good offers. There's so many good coffee catch-ups. There's so many good things to do. But sometimes we need to get off the treadmill and just say no. Because the pace will eventually kill us. If not physically, then certainly emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You know, there's a saying, I think it's in Japan, and it's a real problem, but it's called, I can't remember the Japanese word, but it's working yourself to death. It's literally A thing that's happening in our world. And connected very closely to this one, and you'll notice at this point they all start with S. There you go. I love alliteration. Shut it down. We've got to shut it down. What do I mean by it? I mean what you shut down earlier your phone. We've got to remember that the phone has an on and off switch, not ourselves. One habit, recently I've got together with just a couple of other guys, similar age and stage, you know, both dads, young kids. And, you know, we read lots of theology. We've kind of got that in common. We love sort of digging into a deep, meaty book. But all of us were concluding that really the thing we need is to just keep each other accountable on some basic kind of habits and ways of life. And one of them, one of the habits that was suggested And this book we were reading was, for an hour each day, just turn off your phone. Just give that a go. You know, that may not relate for everyone, but certainly if you're 30 and under this morning, or 40 and under, you know what I mean. That's hard. You have like a little battle with yourself as you come to do it. It's like, oh, can can I exist without this appendage? And I want to say, yes, you can. Jesus says, yes, you can this morning. And the last thing, and perhaps the most important in keeping us on track with all of this, is that we need to stay in community. We need to stay in intentional relationship with other believers who are going to spur us on, who are going to actually point out when the pace is starting to kill us, or when it's starting to become a problem. And I like this picture of community because it was just ordinary people, just in a pretty ordinary looking kitchen, young and old, hand in hand, just doing life together, but keeping each other, keeping each other on track. And I love how even little kids have got their eyes closed and there's this, this sense of they're doing this together. as scripture says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I have a guy I know who's in this church who says just about every week maybe even every day at times, he rings up his brother and they do this. They keep each other accountable. They pray through things. This is what we need in this time of life that's constantly pushing us to go faster, to go harder, to be in a hurry. So this morning, to go slow. That's something you need to embrace. Do you need some time away from the crowd. Just away with just God letting some of that addiction to hurry fall away. Are you needing that time, that Sabbath, that day of rest to let the clock be wound back? Are you needing to say no to to something that you might have said yes to, that was good for a time, but it's starting to wear you down. Do you need to shut down the phone for an hour a day? Or maybe even for a whole day? And lastly, do you need to commit to community? Maybe you're in a small group, but maybe you're not. And maybe for years you've Sort of said, Well, I'm doing other things. I'm too busy for that. You know, community is such a buzzword anyway. What does it mean? I get it on the go. But do you need to invest in some relationships this morning? I know for myself, I probably need a little bit of all of that. And as I come back to the words of Jesus, as I end on this, I'm challenged by who I'm following and by who I'm walking with this morning. So I'll read these words once more and why don't you close your eyes and as as we listen to these words of Jesus, may he speak a fresh word to us about the unhurried life. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you Lord for your word and your promise to us this morning.